Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. Hello and welcome to the show tonight. I'm so glad you chose to join us. I think we're going to have a delightful episode tonight. The topic, Everyday Creativity and the Healthy Mind. And our guest is Dr. Ruth Richards. We're going to bring on Dr. Ruth in just a minute. Um, But boy, howdy, creativity. I love this topic. It's it's the elixir of, of change. It's the... It's the doorway to new possibilities. And uh, um, Dr. Ruth and I were talking uh, just now before the show got started, and, and, and the, the pliability, the, the power behind creativity just became so evident as, as um, it, it tends to be. You know, um, we were talking about the, uh, the – about the ego and and the desire to be right, um, where our analytical mind is kind of hoovering over all of our choices, and it's and it's trying to ensure that the choices that we make are the quote correct ones unquote. And you know when I was thinking about this episode coming up tonight, it reminded me of something that happened. Many years ago, there was a there was a span of my life where um, I was really um, um, kind of discerning about everything that I believed in. I, I, I was kind of picking myself apart for many many years, and uh, at the time I I worked in I worked in broadcast television. I was the chief engineer, the the department head. And in television, in the engineering side of television, there are so many things that have to be right, that have to be correct. And I'm the chief engineer, and I'm and and I'm contemplating in my spare time. I'm I'm looking at consciousness and karma and the notion of of right and wrong and and whatnot. And I looked at my my role, my job as being the chief engineer because it was just loaded with a, a very specific details about how do we broadcast a signal so everybody in town can watch TV. And I I came up with the idea that there has to be a karmic consequence to to being right all the time. The notion of karma is the notion of posturing. Karma, in a simple sense, could be seen as posturing with what is. And so I'm, I'm working as the chief engineer, and I'm like, wait a minute, I have to be right all the time. If that's not posturing, have to be right all the time, that's posturing right there. And so I'm like, there has to be power in being wrong. If I afford myself the luxury of being wrong, there has to be a karmic um, result from that new perspective. And so it was kind of a risky thing to do. I decided I'm gonna I'm gonna not focus on being right all the time. And so uh, a department head meeting came, and and it was it was we were talking about how to do HD and get get the signal up to the transmitter, and I said to the department, hey, you know, I was wrong. We've been trying to uh, encode the audio this way and that way, and I was wrong. So I flat out made a mistake, and uh, so we're going to have to rethink that. And I remember it was like crickets. It's like you could have dropped a pin on the floor and, and heard it. They, they kind of were startled by that. And the next meeting, I I... I brought up that I was wrong again. And after a few episodes, something very curious happened. It was very curious. For, uh, for a while I was thinking, oh, oh, I've kind of let the cat out of the bag because 
when I gave myself permission to be wrong, I gave my department permission to be wrong. And all this ties into creativity, but when I gave them permission to be wrong, a very curious thing happened. Because if if I held a if I held a meeting and I said, "Okay, we need to come up with uh, a new way to do X Y Z," there were the department mavericks, the the confident guys, and they'd chime right in. Well, we could do this, we could do that, but there was these quiet these quiet uh, employees that never chimed in. But when I made it okay to be wrong, I made it okay for them to be wrong they started contributing. They started contributing and a curious thing happened. They would come in, in to their shift and they'd say something I had never heard before. You know, Les, I was thinking about this last night and I don't know if it'll work or not, but we could, we could do this or this or this. And they were taking ownership of their position and the long story short, the morale in the department went off the charts. People were so anxious to contribute when there wasn't a consequence associated with being right or wrong. And people enjoyed their job. They were, they were showing up with ideas that they thought about on the drive-in, and they were happier. So me as a department head, having to be, quote, right all the time, was a very expensive karmic propensity that I was that I was adhering to, and I and it had cost me the morale and the uh, excitement of my department. So when we talk about creativity tonight, um, our academic minds might show up and say, "Well, this is all fine and good, lads, but let's not get too far off the road." <laughs> so. I mean, without further ado, I want to get to that, but I thought that as I was thinking about this episode coming down the pike, um, that that um, episode in the past came, came up, and I wanted to share it with you. So let's get to it. Our topic tonight, everyday creativity and the healthy mind, and our guest is Dr. Ruth Richards. We all have universal creative potential, essential in evolution, yet it often goes unnamed and underdeveloped, so writes Dr. Richards. She adds that creativity, our originality of everyday life, offers us health, joy, and life meaning, plus a fresh new worldview and a view of self in world. One sees self as process, life as profoundly interconnected, emergent, surprising, and dynamically changing with health related to qualities including our change potential, conscious awareness, openness, and non-defensive as we go with it, and at our unique piece to this flow. As professor of psychology at Saybrook University, in the College of Social Sciences, Dr. Ruth specializes in the areas of consciousness, spirituality, integrative health, and creative studies. Many years ago, before she went on to earn an MD from Harvard and a PhD from UC Berkeley, she was studying to become a high school teacher. While taking a required psychology class, a discussion about diagnostics tests led to a light bulb, life-changing moment for her when she realized that it was possible to come up with profoundly creative ways to answer even standardized questions. She authored Everyday Creativity, Coping and Thriving in the 21st Century, and is currently co-editing Nonlinear Psychology, Keys to Chaos and Creativity, in Mind and Life. She is also principal investigator and co-author of Lifetime Creative Skills. Join me in welcoming Dr. Ruth to the show. Dr. Ruth, it's so nice having you on the show. <laughs> Hi, uh, yes, how are you? I'm doing well. 
You've written so, such a wonderful book, Everyday Creativity and the Healthy Mind, Dynamic New Path for Self and Society. So what does, well, thank what does the, the term creativity mean to you? Yes, oh, I would be happy to tell you. Uh, be, before that, if you don't mind, I just want to acknowledge that Paul Grave McMillan um, was good enough to publish this, and, and I think they are a very innovative publisher that sees ways that writings can change the world. And that was um, actually seconded by the Nautilus people, where this book won a Silver Nautilus Award um, for 2018. And their motto is, Better Books for a Better World. So I, I, I'm really happy about that and honored. Because, because um, as you as you're hearing from your host, um, we're talking about ways we can improve our lives, but it may also change everything. Um, and so, thank you for that. I'll get back to what's creativity, but that that introduction is is very apt too because I was um, moved in in studying education, I'm not not so much by my very good school, but by seeing how many places were just um, trying to teach young people how to get 100%, so to be perfect, right, right. and expected on somebody else's test. And that was it. And honestly, I grew up that way, and, you know, you better get at least 90%. And, and uh, what about making up our own questions? What about learning why we're on this earth to begin with? So so there were many lessons in being involved in teaching, which I still am. I've always been concerned with uh, teaching, learning, and, and at Saybrook University with our really wonderful um, students who have very diverse interests and, and goals in the world. Um, but I did, but with creativity, it's, that's a term that's, that's thrown around a lot, but something that um, my colleagues and I at um, Harvard Medical School and McLean Hospital, uh, especially Dennis Kinney, Dr. Dennis Kinney, um, have paid a lot of attention to is what we do in everyday life. And, you know, some people think creativity is only about painting somebody's portrait or something else that is their, and nothing wrong with that, their stereotypical um, idea and not a way of living, which I hope we're going to be able to talk about here. So um, if we look at creativity, we're talking about um, originality, about doing something, anything, in a new way, about freshness, about surprise. So it's really about originality, one, and meaningfulness, two, that... Um, that it's not random either or, or just kind of accidental, but that's something we want to do. And so that, so we developed actually and validated in, in a really extensive way some scales, which is I, I don't think would be worth going into in detail, but they were pretty well done. And that really helped to um, identify what we meant by everyday creativity. And, you know, I'd like to, to get back to that more in terms of examples because so many of us, all of us at one time or another, miss our own creativity, I'd say. Um, but anyway, thank you for that introduction and the, um, and the open-minded engineer who got everyone else into a creative atmosphere, which I'd also like to get to. What does that mean and how else could we live as groups and cultures? Well, I like that. So you talked about creativity, creativity being originality and and that having meaning. Who's if if something is original to my persona, if if I have a creative impulse, who's going to decide if it's meaningful or not? I mean, you were talking about right. taking tests and somebody conjures up these questions, and they have a notion in their mind of what the answers, quote, should be. I mean, who who measures the merit of meaning? Well, this is, there's meaning and there's meaning. This just means that, that I can't get away from the word, 
that um, <laughs> that it it communicates. That's all we're talking about. Um, the favorite okay. definition of most people is originality and usefulness. And now you were really mired in the past because someone else has said we have a need for this. And the question is, are you meeting that need? So, so we got away from that, um, as did the amazing uh, researcher, the late Frank Barron, who really started using this broader definition. So we're not going to look to see if something is so far, um, you know, accepted by the culture. It may not be for 10 years. We just want to know if it communicates to you, right? And, right, yeah. And then, we'll, and then we'll make that other decision later and separate from what we're doing here. And, and what I want to do is frame this in terms of the four P's of creativity, which are four different perspectives or views. And one being the product. That's, some people, that's all they care about. Okay, we want to make a better widget, and, that's, and can you tell us how? And I can tell you how. All right. but, and, there's, and, and we can do that, but let's not stop there. Let's look at the process. What are we doing? Right. Let's look at the person. Who are we? And better yet, might our being creative change us, all else being equal, for the better? And I'd say it can. Uh, and then what we were talking about a bit before, the press of the environment or the, you know, the context, can we create, you know, kind of subcultures that will open us up more? And, and to help us be, you know, more vibrantly ourselves, let's say. So oh, and sure. there are times to be right, though. You don't want to run the red light, right? <laughs> yeah, to... indeed. So, so we also need to have some discernment there. Right. Anyway, well, um, know, if, if it's so – yeah, go ahead. Well, you know, um, I, I've been – uh, I look at our mythology, our, our history, our uh, our narrative over the over the decades, the centuries, um, even the eons of time. Our mythology has to suck at solving the big problem <laughs> because mm-hmm. we're we're entrenched in war, we're entrenched in poverty, we're entrenched. People are suicidal at higher rates than perhaps ever before. Mm. Um, uh, the dynamic that's going on suggests that we're nowhere near um, where we could be. And and so um, I, I like the term, you know, normal is, is really mm. a vote for more of the same because normal says as it has been. What I want is Abby normal. I want, I want the <laughs> opposite of normal because that's where we're uh-huh. going to find the, the, the real traction, if we're going to change our mythology, we have to change our thinking, and creativity is such an excellent vehicle for that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, well um, we can return to normal, <laughs> that is, to the problems of normal, which actually is a chapter in this book, because precisely what we need is to broaden what that means, <laughs> And not to have it mean our automatic uh, kind of deadened norm of uh, right. you know going about doing the same thing every day. I wanted to, um, if it's okay with you, excuse me, I have a little cough sure. here. Uh, <clears throat> um, actually, to read a vignette from chapter two of this book, which is the real first chapter after the introduction. Um, because I think this was on not the best day was my norm um, and my cousins. And, uh, and so what was happened was we completely were missing um, the present, the present moment. I'm having a, a cough. I'm really sorry about this. <clears throat> okay. Um, but, but I think that without awareness, we're going nowhere. And without knowing what's happening, and then having a little self-awareness and meta-awareness where we can start looking at what's going on and what could be happening instead, a really important part of our creativity. Right. So in this case, um, 
this is the vignette for the chapter called Missing Worlds. So it's pretty much we were missing worlds. Um, and I think back about this all the time because right now we're all missing worlds. Our, our slice of reality is pretty thin. And that, no one has the same one either, right? Um, right. Yep. So it goes. I'm rather good at maps. I'm also good at using a GPS device, but I forgot the maps, and here we were. Late afternoon, last day of vacation. My daughter, my cousin, and I driving along a two-way highway in mid-state Oregon. No other car in sight, and the sun had just gone down. Where was that charming little village? It was supposed to be right along this river. We drove on. Farther and farther into the unknown, river always at left as our guide. We kept passing farms and fields and scattered houses, and now a few lights were coming out. In my head, I was doing a litany of self-criticism. Why didn't we start earlier, leave more time, have lunch sooner, save dessert for the little town, bring the map, and on and on and on, a list of all we did wrong. Reliving. It is if that could help us now. My cousin and I were both impatient and stressed. My daughter, at least, was happy in the back seat, text messaging a friend. I pull up on the shoulder of the road to think. Just then, wow, amazing, a new scene had appeared. A new slide projected on a screen. Where did it come from? Look, look, I insisted. Even my daughter looked up. Right there, out of nowhere, a magical, misty landscape. Fields moving off to infinity in muted purples and pastels, fuzzy in the haze, with clusters of tall, lush trees darkening and receding in the dusk. I turned the car engine off. All was silent in the hot summer air. Beside us, a plum-colored river barely moved between a border of trees. It's dark, lazy water reflecting the last light of day. How breathtaking. This landscape had cast a spell. We sat in the silence of an indrawn breath. Where had it been? If I'd seen even a trace of this beauty while driving along, not a neuron had registered it. No mental bell had rung. So the conscious mind could stop and take a look. I'd missed it all. We had all missed it. We miss a lot, almost everything, in fact, in our world. Our task-focused filters take care of that, selecting only what we need. We need to get to work, have some lunch, find that report, water the garden, go out on a date. We see what we need to see, often for purposes of survival or survival of the species. Gregory Bateson, speaking of beauty, said aesthetic judgment is selection of a fact. We create the sight even as we become conscious of it. We do not simply see it. In our daily lives, who or what is doing the selecting and why? Is this predetermined? Can we, in the here and now, make a change? Can we see further? Can we see better? Can we even better our world? Opening our vision is the first step in everyday creativity. Diane. Um, I wanted to to share that also as a um, meditator of over 20 years. Um, I'm an interfaith advocate and a Buddhist, and I believe that too often we're looking the wrong way. <laughs> so I was I had the privilege to be in Vietnam with um, at Tru Quan Monastery, thanks to to my teacher Thich Minh Duc. Um, the most venerable Tikhan too was the abbot of the monastery and still is in his nineties. And and I had the the chance to speak with him 
a few times and ask questions through a translator. So I, I asked, what is the one thing I, I ought to take back to tell our students at Saybrook, our graduate students? And, and he said, at least what in English is two words. He said, look within. And what he was what he was advising there was to look mindfully within and not to be run by by what we think is the real world without <laughs> um, and well, I, oh go ahead i I like that I mean we were talking a little bit uh, before the show of uh, how our minds want to, like, figure everything out and and make mm -hmm. sure that our choices have a known outcome. And mm -hmm. when we look within, <clears throat> we're kind of, we're leaving our mind, so to speak, I suggest. When we look within, <laughs> it's, it's, it's more of a heart space, more of a soul space. Mm. Well, well, thank you for that. I think um, we will find a lot of our creativity it comes from within, from places where we don't really know what's going on. So the looking within allows us um, perhaps a bigger door to what's really going on. Um, but uh, but the, the other part of that, which has really struck me, is uh, one research study that showed that the average person looks at their cell phone, I'm looking at mine right now, um, every <laughs> six and a half minutes, minutes. Right. Now, I have nothing against cell phones, but this is where a life is being run by a device. <laughs> and it's a looking without. So, of course, we all know what that's like, To Oh, did, did they answer the text? And, oh, what was that? Um, but, but we are getting so data-driven, and it's, it's kind of an ADHD culture. Okay, you've got to do this, got to do that. And so where, where is this kind of spaciousness to contemplate? And rather than responding to all of these many kind of stimuli around us. So, so all of this is part of this picture of can we, take the, can we take the space, can we make the space to take the risk of being creative, which you outlined very well, because we don't know what we're going to get. Right? And, sure. But we know it's going to be new because that's what it's about. I mean, so. a lot of times people think of creativity as like the artist or, you know, you need a, a paint in your hands or you need, uh, you're going to draw something. But creativity really doesn't have any boundaries. I mean, does it? It seems mm. like, I mean, if we look at creativity as a vehicle for new outcomes in our life, what can we mm -hmm. do to to make a bigger aperture within ourselves, a bigger portal okay. for our own creativity to come out. Okay. Um, I'm going I'm to read you another quote, which is not in this book, or maybe it is. But, but anyway, it comes from the wonderful book by Roshi John Dido Lurie called The Zen of Creativity. It's, an art, it's sort of an art book, Cultivating Your Artistic Life. Um, but he says, the creative process, like a spiritual journey, is intuitive, nonlinear, and experiential. It points us toward our essential nature, which is a reflection of the boundless creativity of the universe. Does that work for you? Oh, I like that. Well, yeah. Um, you know... I, I think uh, creativity um, needs a place to land in our mind, if mm. you will. Because 
mm-hmm. I know for myself, um, a lot of times we get inspiration when our when our our ego, when our mind is busy doing something else. We're unloading the groceries uh-huh. from the car, and a single mm-hmm. sentence will pop in our head, like. Years ago, um, the notion of becoming an author—you know—you had to write a book. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. idea would pop in my head, and the very next thought, I'd whoop that idea up into my brain and just bash it around and and throw it to the ground. Who am I to write a book? Who am I to? Aww. Who wants to hear what I have to say? And what I'm saying <laughs> is, in order for creativity to really have some traction with ourselves. We uh, we need to learn how to value something that doesn't make sense, because mm. when that when that first tangent on a new outcome comes into our mind, like we were talking before the show, our mind really wants to know what the outcome's going to be, ah, and by their very nature, okay. new new tangents are outcomes where we don't know what the outcome's going to be. And and that's, mm. there's an element of bravery to that, isn't it, for the mind to kind of let go and let that creative spark take over? So let me do two things. I want to build on what you just said about bravery and then just say a little more about what everyday creativity is in terms of process. And we'll get to the person if we, if we have the time here. And, and a little more about the culture. Um, you know, here's, what if our normal was instead of, you know, we kind of think of ourselves as a thing, right? Or some people do, right? Like this picture here, or, or not as a process, not as something in motion. And we are part of an evolving, you know, universe, evolving cosmos. Um, this is the chaos theory part too of this interdependent whole, and we are connected to everything else, and we aren't the same as at the beginning of this program, not by half. And right. uh, everything changes, right? So so what if our normal, instead of, first of all, being one picture, we must make it YouTube, it moves, um, but that um, there are many ways to be. There are many ways to be. Right, so there isn't one thing here. We're interested in the range as well as some kind of average in the middle. But that this is in motion. That our that our goal here is to be part of the flow of life, and we can do that usefully or less usefully. Um, so so our view of of ourself might turn into more our view of ourself in world. That we are part of this evolving whole. We still have some some identity. This is not a nihilistic view that that somehow we don't exist at all. There are a lot of discussions here because if the, the whole of our manifest world doesn't quite exist the way we think, well, we don't either. But the fact is that that we will recognize each other tomorrow, right? Maybe right, uh, yeah. don't recognize the child we were at age five, but there is a a kind of um, there is a kind of the complicated word is auto poetic, but there's a sort of self-sustaining recipe in a way to who we are, and this is not about ego now. Forget about ego, because we're we're sort of bubbles on the surface of the water, and we're also going to pop eventually. But but there's a kind of continuity to this bubble while it's there. Um, sure. There's a different way of looking at who we are. And a different kind of normal that could be very useful here. So I appreciate, and and it involves the bravery you said. Um, I want to say about what's everyday creativity. I said we're doing it all the time. This is not like we, we're going to take this big risk and do it. We just don't know we're doing it. Right? So what's that mean? Well, we know it's beginnings, but who's who's looking? Right? We we make guesses. We have hunches, intuitions. We're flexible. We try this, we try that. So we all do this. This is not weird. This is part of the equipment we come with. It's part of how we evolve. It's part of why we're alive. And at best, this can, can help us find out what we're alive for. But uh, 
but look at all this stuff and how often. So, so in one of our classes at Saybrook, um, a, a lovely student who was a mom and, and a lot of other things, um, we were talking about what can our everyday creativity involve and some of these things we all do but don't count. And then we were talking about things like how would you use it? Well, you're running a home or you're counseling a friend or you're making up stories with your kids at bedtime, you know, where each person adds to the story. Or or it's how you fix a faucet. I mean, there are, what, it, it isn't so much what you do as how you do it. And because it isn't some famous person's achievement or some outcome that's an art and science, it's, and it's not as if it doesn't count. It all counts. And we are actually doing this sort of thing a lot, sometimes little, sometimes big. But if we never acknowledge it, if we don't name it, then how are we going to develop it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, worse yet, you know, how many people are, are being innovative, if you like, at work, and what do they get for that? Trouble. Can't we keep doing things the same way? Or their teacher doesn't approve of them, or, and so on. Um, so, but, but this, is, this is a way to live. It's a way of life. It's uh, it is one that takes bravery for more reasons than than just that we may surprise ourselves and our ego, which is bad enough. But meanwhile, we're threatening the status quo of everyone else. We want to do something in our in a new way, right? So, do are we willing to live that way, where we're getting where we're getting newness and surprise from everyone, including ourselves, where where in a, in a way where we're going to be evolving faster because we have more to work with. And you answered that nicely for your group because it seems like once you were open to people's ideas, and they could be wrong because you have to be wrong or you'll never learn anything. You have to try things. Um, it changed the atmosphere to be, to be very um, fertile for people feeling good and feeling they have something to offer. And so I think that's, that's very much a part of the, you know, the P of creativity that has to do with person and with press, the environmental press, is, uh, you know, what, or what can we give each other there? Um, with, you say, who is this person, though? Let's, let's look at the person who is able to do this a lot. First, they're going to care a little less about what everyone else thinks because you know everyone else isn't going to always think it's great. So, so they're they're marching to a different uh, drummer. As was that um, was that Thoreau who said that? I think so. Maybe. Uh, um, they're anyway. They're hearing their own drummer. They're not quite so concerned. And and of course, if you're a conformist, you're not going to you're going to find out the real break on your creativity. But here we have, we have, and these are some of the kinds of things that have been, you know, shown that make sense. We're talking about someone who's open to experience, who's more aware, as in that opening vignette on the Oregon roads. They're not just thinking about what they should have done that morning. They're noticing it's gorgeous. (laughs) So let's not miss this. Um, who is not just going along doing what's expected, but who's seeing all of the visionary way, all these other ways one could be and live and and experience things. Um, being creative is, is pretty much automatically beyond ego in the sense that and I'm talking about the kind of ego where we have this image of ourselves that's fixed and nothing's fixed to begin with. Um, this image and we're trying to support this image and now we want to get the right answer. Now, so creativity is gone there. Right. Um, right. But if we're really involved, like your your colleagues when they started wanting to suggest things too, in in the engineering world or whatever. I mean, they weren't, I I hope they weren't all 
trembling were you going to think that was a good idea, <laughs> but we're having fun. Here's an sure, idea, yeah. right? It might yeah. work, it might not. Well, that's that's great. Like I said, you don't want to run the red light. There are times to, you know, to stop and evaluate what you're doing. But But if you really want to have a lot of good ideas, it's good to separate that kind of openness to possibility. So now we have people who are open, who are aware, who are present in the present moment, who are visionary to alternatives, who are less ego-driven, less kind of reined in by their fears of the future or their habits in the past. We got a lot of those, though, let's face it. We all do. Um, But are more willing to... um, as you were saying, open the door to to something else, to not letting those boxes in quite so much. So this is this is a great way to live. I mean, it's a great way of life. When you say, well, how? Who says who? Um, a lot of people, but Abraham Maslow, um, who who was a humanistic psychologist, um, studied self-actualizing people including some some well-known people you've heard of like Eleanor Roosevelt um who were who were very much um at home in their own skins and out in the world doing things that were were very useful and looked at kind of who they were and a lot of these qualities came forward these were people who in their everyday life not just in their work if they were well known that they were known for, tended to be open, original, seeing things in different ways. This was was more their norm um, and how they lived. They tended to be more spontaneous, also more playful. So having some of the joy of the child, discovery at trying things. And so this is, um, for some people, they see what we're calling everyday creativity is kind of for them leading to a self-actualizing path. What's that mean? It means kind of unfolding your potential, being all you can be. And that tends to mean find, finding who we are and what we're doing on this earth, not so much conforming to what someone else thinks we ought to be doing. So, right. so all well, of this you know, is about I, I... the creative process. Yeah, sorry. No worries. Um, a notion came to mind while you were uh, describing that it, in the in the realm of our relationship with our our relationship with our spouses. That uh-huh. um, you know, sometimes people get um, in a rut with their relationship, and their minds are are analyzing what's quote broken and and that analytical mm-hmm. mind is looking for right and wrong what are we doing right what mm-hmm. are we doing wrong and, and yeah the, and the notion that that's going to fix it is is on borderline crazy because I, I like what you're talking about when you open up to this creativity you're a you're a different person we're different people than mm. when the show first started so when you like, uh-huh. like I got myself a drum kit, and I don't purport to Ooh. be a drummer, but oh, that's that's it, very cool. <laughs> it was such a a personal uh, awakening to realize that the, my the left side of my body and the right side of my body had no notion of mm. common time. <laughs> wow! <laughs> and when I. When when I sat down and tried to create this cohesion between the two sides of my body, it really hmm. um, changed who I was, if you will. And I think wow. creativity wow. when we when we immerse in creativity, when we immerse in in, a, in something that we really enjoy to do, we come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm cringing with this term. We come out born again in that we're mm-hmm. we're new people. We're different, and so mm-hmm. when we go back to our mm-hmm. relationships, there's a spark in our eye. There's a a, a spring nice. in our step. 
Uh-huh. And, and I think it it it's kind of a elixir uh, 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 stimulant, if you will, that brings new energy, new life into relationships. Uh-huh. Beautiful. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm relating. You mentioned relationship with spouse. I thought we could throw in kids here for fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so this also means, um, let me see. Well, I just first I want to acknowledge my daughter, Lauren Joe or Joey, and my son-in-law, Jake, and uh, say how, how well, you know, how well do we do when we disagree? So I don't know, because uh, I was having a disagreement with them. They're both incredibly creative people. They are, are really great. Oh, and humor often is a part of that, too. And that can um, both be very funny. Um, but, but are we, first of all, well, well, let's go back to the spouse. Are we present for each other, right? So, so we're sitting, in, sitting around saying, oh, I wish he would do this or that, or, and there he is going on about that again, right? <laughs> um, as opposed to really being present with that person. So, so or let's say you're telling him something that means a lot to you. And this is about everyday creativity, too. Why would relationships not be, all right? So they're saying, they're, you're saying something really important, and they're going, uh-huh, uh-huh, and they're reading the paper and whatever. So I'm not addressing <laughs> this to any particular individual here, right? <laughs> right. Um, but I think we've all experienced that or done it to someone. And, and then you compare a really involved conversation, and something's happening there where, where that that duo is more than that duo. There's there's something in the air, or as you say, there's a spark. So that you're really present with them. You are empathetic. You're relating to what they're saying. Um, they are. We are changing each other, right? If if someone is telling us something, it doesn't have to be even you know someone where you're in some close relationship, but they're telling you something important, and it's changing you. In that moment, you are maybe growing new dendrites physically to your neurons, so you'll remember what they said. It is reconfiguring your attitudes about such and such. So if it's a really growing, evolving relationship, we need to be open to changing based on what, what is happening between, you know, us, me, and that person. And that is such a challenge. Sometimes it's the most wonderful thing. Sometimes it's a real challenge. So, um, but being creative means to be in that moment and to hear what's happening and to be willing to look at oneself as well as the other. So, it sounds like it does sounds like less fun than playing the drums, but it can be more fun than playing. <laughs> I don't know. I don't play the drums. All right, <laughs> um, but. But relation, if we're saying creativity is about originality that communicates, let's say, there's no reason why that wouldn't apply perfectly to relationships, which could be more creative or less creative. But, but when they're more, there's a dance going on. And, and, it's, and in some ways, it is a um, spontaneous one that is creating its own art, if you will, the dance of life as it goes along. And uh, can we do that? Can we do that better? Definitely. <laughs> Is that creative? What do you think? <laughs> and then I have yeah, another thought. Indeed. Well, indeed. Uh-huh. The, um, there's a line out of a Peter Gabriel song that says, um, only in uncertainty are we naked and alive. And oh, Wow. Oh, and that's great. When the when our analytical mind, like you talk about us looking at looking at our phones all the time and our uh-huh. minds is symbol processing, we're we're assigning value to these symbols, these these elements of our life. And the mind uh-huh. can sit there and analyze the crap out of it. But it's only <laughs> in uncertainty when we let go of that. That, uh-huh. that the unknown comes. I, I like the 
the saying that my this won't make any sense, and that's probably part of the point. <laughs> my <Yeah>. my <laughs> unknowing mind, my unknowing uh-huh. mind knows much more than my knowing mind. <laughs> Ooh, okay. And so when you mean your I unknowing to, mind, I'm I'm. Right, I'm hearing that more as your unconscious mind. So it may know a whole lot. You, you, your conscious right. you just just doesn't know. All right, doesn't but know if yet. I don't give right. it, if I don't give it any of my awareness, any of my consciousness, then uh-huh. I'm just stuck in my knowing uh-huh. mind, and I don't evolve. Uh-huh. I don't change. I don't. I right, don't penetrate right, the right. unknown. Yeah. Okay. Well, that that works for me. Sounds good. <laughs> I wanted to to <laughs> to raise a, a couple questions here because I don't know how much more time we have. Um, but but you, I did you, want you've it. Got about to, uh, uh, seven minutes. Oh, seven minutes. Okay, so three for that. Three for um, the the question of whether this creative way of life will not just change us, but will change us for the better. And this is not to say there aren't people doing, you know, really evil, destructive things with creativity. This is like though all else being equal, if we live this way, is it going to be better for us in the world than if we live the more automaton way and let unmentionable people <laughs> tell us what to do? Um, so, right. um, and so, so I'm one of them who's written about this um, in in another book called Ethics in a collection of um, writings called Ethics of Creativity, but it's also in this this current book, of course. Um, that all else being equal, this is going to change us for the better. We're because we are going to become, as as you were saying, sort of larger. We're more open. We're changing. We're responsive. We're thinking for ourselves. We're seeing alternatives, we're more apt to be honest with ourselves and with others. And there's research here that, that I'll just mention that showing where people are more healthy, showing where this kind of openness to ourselves can not only heal some deep wounds, but can even lead to, to stronger immune function. So we're talking mind-body connection here because now our white cells that fight disease know what we're, we are doing, that we are becoming more disease-resistant as a result of this creativity. But, but are we also going to be more aware of each other, more able to work toward a better world? These are all questions that, that I think we need to keep asking. But I think the prospects are good. And so that's one reason I did this book. <laughs> um, the the other uh, the other part here, I I really want to say a little more about about the group context and um, and how that can open us. So so for example, there was one research study done by a, a former dean I had when I was uh, teaching at another university, and that was Robert Dentler along with um, his collaborators, where they they were having people do one of these creativity exercises, which if we had more time we could do to show <laughs> how different ways to strengthen our creativity muscles. But you can also find it in this book. Oh, and I do have a website, which is Dr. Ruth Richards, all one word, dot com. Um, but but um, he had kind of half the people, you know, you have this control group and this experimental group. So the one group was thinking of unusual uses for something. So let's say it's a cardboard box or a tin can, right? unusual uses. And just whatever you want, you know, come up with whatever you want. So you can use a tin can for a cup. But you could use it for a hat or a drum or, you know, and just write down anything that comes to mind for the tin can. That's one way, divergent thinking to kind of strengthen your creativity muscles. And then the other group, they said, watch out, (laughs) right? 
we don't only want really good ideas here. A lot of judgment is coming here, okay? And we want this 100% correct. (laughs) And so don't put down anything that's commonplace, just just something that's really good. And, um, you know, you only have so much time, so work hard. (laughs) You get the picture, right? And so so they were, the responses were looked at in terms of the number, you know, because they put down as many ideas as you like, and also how unusual they they were. And so out of these two groups, and one was sort of the have fun group and one was the watch out group, you know, who who would you think had the had the most the most responses and the most unusual responses? The have fun. The have fun. You bet. <laughs> and so I don't I don't recall exactly what the difference was as far as the number, but obviously if someone's saying watch out, don't put down, you know, you're gonna put down less. But on how unusual they were and there was a certain way they, they scored these, they it was three to one. That the people who are having fun, just like your your people in, you know, doing your engineering were coming out with stuff. So much more was happening because they weren't worried about themselves or how good it was or if they did something wrong. They were having fun, and they were using something that has helped us evolve to be alive at this point, whether humans will, will, you know, take this legacy further, I think, depends on, on our evolution of consciousness, honestly, a little bit there. But I also think we're a very young species. Let's hope we can get do a little better. I sound like the other group, right? Like right. the watch out group, but but don't we well, all? Um, you know, uh, yeah, do a little an better. Hour, an hour can go by okay. pretty fast, and I want to make sure our Uh-oh. listeners know how to get your book and and tell us how to get your book and share your website again. Okay, the book is on the website. Actually, there are four books on the website, which you can order from Amazon on the website, which is Dr. Ruth Richards, no periods, D-R-R-U-T-H-R-I-C-H-A-R-D-S.com. And there are other things there, too, some, some videos and, and some you know, blogs and lots of papers. If you want academic stuff, it's there. So, um, so please, if you go there, you can also leave a comment or a question, and there's sort of a mini blog, too, that will continue, and where I'll pick up on some of the things people say. Thank you very much. This has been really engaging. I want to thank you for being our guest on the show tonight. It's been so much fun. Okay. Thank you. We've been talking with uh, Dr. Ruth Richards, and the topic tonight is everyday creativity and the healthy mind. Um, creativity is is such a powerful um, vehicle of change, if you will. The that that creative impulse that we have is the doorway to new outcomes, and I. I mean, it's pretty obvious to see that humanity's hungry for a new paradigm, hungry for something more authentic. Um, and it's going to be our creative impulse that, that is, is the garden that we harvest, the new ideas, the new outcomes, and create new paradigms, new trajectories for our, our human culture. So it it was a delight talking with uh Dr. Ruth and her book, Everyday Creativity and the Healthy Mind, is is really a very comprehensive look at at the notion of uh, creativity and in, in, uh, for um, for humanity. Really, um, you know, it's always my pleasure to bring you episodes like this. I suggest to you that that human consciousness, which would be you, which would be me. Human consciousness is perhaps one of the most powerful vehicles of change on the planet. And when we, when we can understand what our own consciousness has to offer us, uh, we, we feel more empowered. Uh, you know, I love bringing episodes like this to you, and I, I want to thank you for joining us tonight. I'm your host, Les Jensen. Until next time, thanks for listening. 
This has been a New Human Living radio broadcast. You can raise your own personal power with Personal Power Fundamentals Home Study Course at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening.